over to Stuart Hay, who is the uh, director, uh, Scottish director of Living Streets, and the vice chair of Council of Scotland, who will tell us a little bit more about the uh, Scottish. When I went to university, we didn't have this technology. I, I, am, that, I, am, I am that old. I, I remember the days when I sat in the seminars. The, differ the, the difference was then I had a future. Now, 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 now I'm here talking about what's kind of happened to me since uh, um, I graduated. So I graduated in 1999, which was the year the Scottish Parliament uh, was established. And I've always worked in Scotland since that time. And I've had the opportunity to work on low carbon policy. Uh, in my current role, I work for Living Streets... Scotland, and I'll tell you a little bit about them. So Living Streets uh, was the pedestrian society, a very established, one of the first environmental NGOs in the UK. So it's been around since 1929, it's 85 years old, and our, really our mission now is to improve the conditions on our streets, to make the journey from Oxford Station to here a bit easier. Um, I saw lots of things that could be done to improve that and that will deliver big environmental benefits. I'm actually wearing two hats today. I'm all, I also work uh, with an organisation called Transform Scotland. The equivalent in England and Wales is the Campaign for Better Transport. So Transform Scotland is also a product of devolution. Um, in 1999 it was decided there, was, there needed to be a campaign in Scotland or an organisation for everybody interested in low carbon transport. Um, and that, that was established to do that, uh, to challenge some of the stuff that was going on in the 1990s, which I'm going to talk about, um, which is kind of silly. So what I'm going to start with is where are we now, which is kind of following on from where Jack's, Jack's left off there. And then devolution passed, because actually with transport policy, a lot of the missions we're experiencing today are the result of policies from yesterday. So that you really need to understand where this came from. And I'll try and thread in the story of devolution, because I think in England, everybody's like, what went on last year in Scotland? So I'll try and give you some idea of why, from a transport perspective, there's been a, a divergence in policy and, and why things, things are, are diverging. And then devolution future, evolution or revolution, I just wanted to use some alliteration, uh, but. Uh, it, it, it's really about where, where, where are we going um, uh, on that, and that's, that's a bit of guesswork there. I'll, have, I'll put a warning in now. This presentation will end with a to-be-continued type uh, scenario, but that's the best I can do. Um, so, okay, uh, Scotland, a bit of an introduction. I don't know if anybody's been to Scotland, everybody's been to Scotland, north part of the UK. So it's 5.3 million people, sort of decent-sized small country, about 9% of the UK and 82% of us live in towns, and that's an important point to make. We don't live in crofts and we don't live on islands, uh, as despite what the TV may show. We all, we all mainly live in, uh, live in towns and cities. And the best golf courses in the Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and a land, but it's a big chunk of the UK. It's a big chunk of the UK landmass, and that changes things uh, in terms of how we operate uh, as a country, in terms, of, in terms of geography, policy, that sort of thing. And the population is mainly concentrated around the coast, central belt, and then Inverness, which is the capital of the Highlands, where you'll apparently find a monster, um, but it's another story. Uh, and there's a bit of a divergence as well. Uh, rich cities in the east, so you've got Edinburgh, which is a wee bit like o Oxford, very, very university town, very successful, very, very successful in terms of finance, quite a pros prosperous town, and also very popular in terms of tourism. Aberdeen's the oil capital of Europe. And then you've got post-industrial cities such as Glasgow, which have been declining for many years, have lost their heavy industries and are now rebuilding, and similarly with Dundee, and they are now trying to enter the sort of cultural, such cultural sphere. Um, 
So it's a, it is a different context from the rest of the UK, but there's a lot of similarities. Um, I wanted to put this slide up just because I was in the geography department and it's got habitat in it. And uh, uh, the, the thing you need to note is the top bit is the one I'm going to talk about, the built-up areas. I'm not going to talk about gardens, but I'll talk about the built. The rest is the rest of Scotland, so it's big, empty, and wet. Uh, if you, um, so that, that's just to, just to bear that in mind. There's the, the, that does pose challenges in terms of transport. And just to bring it, it also provides lots and lots of space for uh, wind farms which uh, seems to be driving forward the low-carbon agenda. So you've got all that space. You've built lots of low-cost low land that's not really doing very much to put wind farms on. It's not always popular, but that's a big part of low-carbon policy, and it also impacts on transport. And there's the emissions there. So just to give you an idea, there's Edinburgh, where I'm from. There's Glasgow, which is the, the large conurbation. Aberdeen up there, the oil capital. And there's Inverness, just up there. And the rest is fairly empty. <laughs> Though that's an emissions, the mainly so mainly the urban areas where your emissions coming from. Uh, interesting bits in the top there, but quite high emissions, and that's put peat bogs that are drying out uh, that that need to be that that need to get dampered, that need to be better managed because uh, there are some bad policies in terms of putting forest up there. Um, our transport system, so not particularly different from the rest of the UK, high carbon system, uh, walking and cycling. Put that there, there, there the local zero low-carbon, I suppose it depends where we get food from, but we'll assume that they're, they're low-carbon. And then the rest is really, it's a fossil fuel-based transport system. And the rail system, um, let me go back a bit, uh, we're still not electrified north of, the, north of the central belt and even between Edinburgh and Glasgow. So there's still quite a lot of diesel goes into our trains. Uh, not a similar position from the UK. This is, this is on number of journeys, it's not on miles. Uh, but we're car-based. We're a car-based nation. Uh, rail is quite small-scale, as Jack was pointed out in the last talk. In terms of what contribution it can make to, to reducing your carbon footprint, it's a quite long, slow base. Similarly with bikes, again, and this is from the, the Living Streets point of view, walking is an important element of a low-carbon strategy. It, it, it's a lot of the transport journeys, a lot of the car journeys, are very, very short journeys that could actually be walked. And if they couldn't be walked, they could probably be um, done, done on, a, on a bike. And those, that, there's a big opportunity there. There's, there's not high tech, it's, it's shoes, bikes. <laughs> uh, and that could, that could get us a, a big reduction. In our, our, uh, and that's really what I'll, I'll talk about because that's my, my, my expertise. I'll try and touch on some of the other areas. That's probably for other members of the Transform Scotland Alliance that, that have, have, have that knowledge. Um, climate change emissions. This is from Transform Scotland. There's a report that uh, I'll give you the website at the end. So Transform Scotland are bringing out they do an, a biannual report on the state of where we are in terms of sustainable transport. And there's a report coming out this week on their new website. Um, and so I've got to steal some steal some graphs from it. So this is a kind of sneak preview. So that'll be coming up. Um, car so we're going down in terms of carbon. Uh, one of the reasons the overall picture is going down is we've deindustrialized. De so Scotland looks pretty good in terms of our, our carbon story. Part of that reason is we closed a very very large steelworks, uh, and that that freed up an awful lot of carbon. Um, and because other sectors are making progress, the share of car carbon coming from transport is going up, as shown in this, this, um, this graph here. Um, I found this quite interesting. There was a report 
that Transport Scotland, which is the Scottish Government's roads agency, well, the transport agency, they do a lot on roads and they do a bit on rail as well. Um, they, this is interesting, and it's showing that the emissions on the trunk road network are going up against the 1990 baseline, whereas in our rural roads and our urban areas, there's things are stabilising and they're going down, and I hazard a guess that that might be because of capacity in those areas, whereas the capacity on on the on the interurban network, the trunk roads, is expanding. And it's also probably about logistics. So Scotland now has a massive Amazon warehouse in Fife, which is just the other side of the, the fourth bridge. So that, that's moving a lot of goods around that, that are coming in there. So we're moving into a consumer-based um, logistics setup, if you like. And that, I think, is, is part of it. And we have green belts, so the, the new, new housing development is the other side. So and these people to commute in on their cars are using the trunk road network. But that's my guess. This is new statistics, so it's, it's, it's an interesting area to, for, to, of study. Uh, comparison with the UK, broadly, we are in line with UK trends, but we're possibly not doing quite as well. And as you can see, this is the point I just made. HGVs are going up, so there's something going on with logistics. It's not my area, uh, but yeah, we're 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 uh, in line with the rest of the UK. Um, and again, this is an interesting sort of junction point in, in policy. The mid the mid 80s, you're starting to see a change in policy, and at that point, your uh, number of trips by car are going up your walking trips are going down um, and that's having a big impact on our, on our, on our emissions. It's not a dissimilar problem picture for the, the whole of the UK but these are, these are Scottish statistics. Um, this is taken straight from a Scottish government, RPP2, I think, it, it, Report on Plans and Policies 2, I think is the full title. It's, worth, it's, it's quite a dull document, I have to say. It's full of tables and, and things. But basically the headlines are this. Uh, it's saying how do we tackle this 25% of the total amount of carbon and the big one is decarbonising vehicles uh, that's basically borrowing the UK government's fiscal levers and EU standards uh, to drive that down that, 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 that's, the, that's the big one so they're relying a lot uh, for a devolved administration on UK policies and EU policies and then there's road network efficiencies which is just getting the traffic flowing a bit better Part of that is the investment they're putting into the trunk roads at the moment. But I'm interested in sustainable communities, including modal shift by walking, cycling, public transport. So that's in there. And then there's business engagement around sustainable transport. So that's getting business to think about this, to think about how they move their goods about and how they move their staff around. Uh, so the first bit, low carbon vehicles. This is a good picture. I, I, I like this. Uh, um, it's borrowed from Car Plus. And you can see there's, the, there's, there's your low carbon vehicle and there's your, then your, there's your wind farms. And that really encapsulates Scottish policy on transport. Let's get these things electrified, get, get the emissions down. Uh, and the good thing from a political point of view is we don't have to adjust people's behaviour. They can still drive around like they, they want in, in, in cities. Um, and that's, that's pro programmes run by the Energy Saving Trust to engage the public and to engage business. And then there's the investment in the Strategic Roads Network. Uh, this is a very big project. I think it's about £3 billion worth of investment. So this is the main road from Perth, which is in central Scotland, 
up to Inverness and this is going through the big boggy bit of ground that I, and the mountains that I showed in that slide. Uh, this is a road that is partially dual carriageway and part, um, but it stop starts and it's had a lot of safety concerns on it so there's been a big campaign to do this. There's a lot of investment and it's difficult territory so it's very expensive, it's very long to do. Uh, but that's going to take a while so what they've done is they've put lots and lots and lots Lots of uh, average speed cameras on this road, so that that will actually reduce carbon quite quite a lot, and it will also have big safety um, benefits. So that's a, 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 a more short term, and I would say a more progressive policy. And it's it does show that the Scottish government, when it's motivated, will take on the motor, motoring lobby, and uh, that's a, that's a good thing from point of view of a campaigning organisation like Transform Scotland, this is the government do, doing the right thing and they're seeing the benefits in terms of safety already. It's only been on the go since December. Uh, active travel, this is kind of a so big, big, I'm not going to say too much about cycling because cycling gets talked about a lot but it's, it's quite a small modal share. But that's, there's big plans to get that up to 10% in Scotland and that, that's, uh, there's a lot of store put in that. Uh, it's got a lot of buzz about cycling and also, though, and this is different from the rest of the UK, there is a national walking strategy, uh, which is a good thing, especially from a living streets perspective, which recognises walking is a legitimate form of transport and we need to get more, more Scots walking. Mainly, I have to say, driven by the health department of the Scottish government, who have recognised what is the best people to get people, way to get people off the couch, get them walking, doesn't cost very much, massive health benefits, will save the NHS. So that's what that's all about. It doesn't have a target, and, and it, though, which is a, a wee bit unfortunate. Uh, but the fact that it exists shows um, that I think Scotland is prepared to think differently from the rest of the UK. I'll maybe come back to that point. And then there's engaging business. So these are program. These are programs. That's uh, an, an example uh, that I've pinched from the Energy Saving Trust website. So it's Rabies. If you want to go into, it's not an advert for Rabies, but uh, if you want to go and see some nice scenery, you, you can go in one of their vans, and the drivers had energy efficiency driving training, and they maybe have some advice on how they manage the fleet. So that's the sort of thing they're trying to do uh, to, to lower, lower it. Right. How did we get to where we are? Um, 1930s is a, I'll, I'll start there. I could start in 1707, but I'll, I'll not time, so I'll start there. So now that's this kind of birth of the modern Scottish state. Um, Scotland office is getting more power. There's a need for intervention. Basically, that's the start. There's an industrial decline. So areas in the southeast of England doing quite well. You've got the sunrise, the start of the sunrise industries coming through. Scotland. You've got population decline and you've got declining big industries, which is paused by the Second World War. Um, and the Scotland's office so actually starting to invest in low-carbon infrastructure in the 1930s. Big hydro projects right across the Highlands. And that was to get these glens basically electrified so people had light and power. So it's important. I think that's an important route of a different way of thinking in Scotland. The state is slightly more interventionist and doing these sort of big policies. And it was a kind of Gordon Brown type figure uh, at the time, uh, um, the, the, Secretary, the, the Secretary of State at that time, who sort of set the mould of doing that. And you're starting to see the roads development, roads development into the 1950s. The big, the big, big priority is really to sort out housing. Transport's kind of second to that. The real house, housing problems in Scotland. Um, 
Besides, um, so you start seeing the new towns and that sort of thing. You're seeing a lot, a lot of investment there. Then you're, you're seeing uh, that's Glasgow. That's that's kind of the vision at the time, re rebuilding the city literally uh, uh, around that. Um, 1960s, 1979. Now this is an interesting era. Um, this is the end of the investment era. We're we're still, we're, we've not got the, the public finances we have. There's, there's, we're starting the, the the start of the austerity era was probably even back then. That picture is of the Borders Rail Line. Um, that was one of the last lines that got cut by beaching, and it's significant because there was a whole chunk of Scotland that was basically cut off from the road network. So that's basically a big a, a bit of lower, lower carbon infrastructure was cut away. And I'll come back to why that's significant in a sec. Then in the 1980s, 1990s, you're starting to see the car-based policies really coming through. That's Edinburgh, that's a bypass, so that the, 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 there's um, straight, through the, straight through the green belt, um, big investment in that sort of thing. And public transport's privatised like the rest, of, the rest of the UK, which has implications as well. This is where the roots of devolution are. So you're still seeing big road schemes. Um, that is an interesting picture at the top there. Uh, that's Possel Park. Uh, that was a really big road scheme that went to a very nice park in Glasgow. Glasgow thinks of itself as the dear green place because it's so many parks. Well, they put a motorway through it and uh, it really uh, upset a lot of people. And there was a community built around there. And to give you an idea of why some people, how can the Conservatives be so unpopular in Scotland? Well, there was a junior, a junior um, Scottish office minister had a few drinks and decided to go down with his son, who armed himself up with an air gun, and tried to clear these guys off off the site of the mo off off the site of the motorway. So that's a little hidden bit of Scottish history that's worth researching. It actually did happen. So you you wonder, you know. UKIP type stuff going on back in the 1990s. And the Sky Bridge, uh, I'll come to that, that's, that's quite significant in that it was a PFI project and deeply, deeply unpopular. Uh, it was a toll, it was tolls, but they were set at the rate of the ferry, so it became the most, it was the most expensive bridge to cross anywhere in Europe. Uh, it was no more expensive than the ferry, but per mile it was really, really expensive. And it was also owned by the Bank of America, and it was deeply, deeply unpopular. If you want to read about that, uh, George Monbiot's Captive State book will give you a critique of that. But it's significant uh, in, in a way that I'll explain. Glasgow Public Realm Improvement. So Glasgow's regenerating. Glasgow was one of the first cities in the UK to really sort out its public realm in, in, in the centre. Really got for bringing people back into the centre. Really, really good solid streetscape. Really nice pedestrian environment. They also put a lot of parking in there, which is unfortunate. So people still drive in. Uh, but when you get out of your car, it's, it's really nice. Uh, big investment in, in the sound centres. Uh, an important thing to uh, think about is regional councils. So Scotland had regional councils. They were set up in the 1970s. Big strategic planning and transport authorities. Uh, and then they were abolished. And they were abolished uh, partly because they stood up against the then Westminster, Thatcherite Westminster government. They were saying, no, we're going to stand against you. We do things differently in Scotland. So they got abolished. And I think the final straw was that they opposed the privatisation of Scottish water. And they succeeded. And so Scottish water is still nationalised, which is different from the rest of the UK. And there's another thread that I'll come back to you on why that's significant. And once you got rid of them, you had lots of small councils. So you had very tightly defined councils in Edinburgh and Glasgow. Um, 
and their outer suburbs were separate. And what you then saw um, is more, more development around the, the fringes, less controlled people, other side of the green belt. So you've got much more uh, growth in terms of car-based commuting because that strategic planning functions away. And that's never been restored. To these, the, 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 there's, never, there's an issue that's never been resolved. And then the Scottish bus... It was privatised in the 1980s. Now, it was, this was very success. These are very, very successful companies, and not surprisingly, very influential. Scotch. So, talking about first group and stagecoach. They actually went on to buy most of the um, school buses in America. They, they, these are these are successful. This is the other side of Scotland, the entrepreneurial side. Uh, and then there were some minor rail schemes. They're not really opening some commuter stations around Edinburgh, but nothing major in terms of that. It's it's still about road building, and that's really where Transform Scotland was set up to try and counter that. Devolution Mark 1, right, 1999. This is when I left university. I worked in the parliament briefly after my planning degree and studied transport, and I used to research transport issues. Uh, so first thing was find, find a location for the new Scottish parliament. Unfortunately, in transport terms, it's, it wasn't the best location. It's not easy. It could have been right next to the station, but they chose to put it down the hill, so you have to walk, walk up a hill to get to the station. Uh, that, that was unfortunate. Um, and then there was a short-lived era of integrated transport policy, mainly Scotland following the rest of the UK. It was just uh, John Prescott. So it was some really good policies in terms of let's shift the balance, let's have a hierarchy, let's start working on, working on pedestrian cycling issues, public transport, let's restore the balance from the 1990s road-building era. Uh, but then started to get bogged down and there was fuel processing in about 2000. There was a big retrenchment from that. Uh, the regional transport partnerships were set up but very, this to try and solve this uh, problem. Unfortunately, that was kind of short-lived and the councils never really liked them and they didn't really have a democratic market. So they still exist but in a much diminished form. And quite a significant moment, part of that idea was to give councils powers to charge for road user charging. So whilst London went for it and succeeded on the back of the charisma of um, Ken Livingston, we didn't see the same thing happening in Edinburgh. So that was a real setback in terms of demand management and a different approach to transport. So that was lost. Uh, and generally the era was kind of, let's start thinking about, there was, this, there was more cash, there was more investment going, let's build lots of stuff, let's connect all the rail stations, let all the, all the airports to the railways, the, tra the start of the Edinburgh trams. That era was Lib Dem uh, and Labour. And then 2007, somehow it wasn't supposed to happen, but the SNP got into the Scottish Parliament and had a minority administration. And that changed things slightly. Uh, they had to rationalise the infrastructure programme. Things are constraining fiscally, so you're seeing less of the low carbon infrastructure in there. And also there's a campaign to build another bridge across the Forth, a big exemplar project, which certainly at the time I was working for an environmental charity, I was in, uh, imposing, opposing it, and uh, Transform Scotland was supporting, but that, that, I, that, that was lost, it went ahead. It, 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 that, that bridge connects some very strategically important uh, seats politically, uh, and there was an argument whether the road was, that bridge was needed or not. Um, they probably could have salvaged it, but they, did, they decided we can't take the risk, we're going to put a billion pounds of investment into this bit. So that's a massive chunk of your transport budget going into that project, and that will be coming on stream next year. Uh, 
But you're seeing, seeing a change, cycling action plan, which I mentioned, is coming through. National walking strategy coming 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 through, um, with, with 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 targets and a, a vision. Uh, some rail line reopenings, Airdrie Bathgate that connects. Glad, uh, there was two rail, railway lines in central Scotland. They got connected, and there's another line between Glasgow and Edinburgh. Aloe was putting back on the rail map, and the Edinburgh trams uh, finally arrived after seven years and much heartache in terms of it was supposed to be a network and what I would say the trams tell you is I mentioned the regional councils were so but you lost a whole layer of government that can do big strategic policies and for political reasons Scottish government really didn't want the trams trams to go ahead they wanted to put the investment in. so this project was very unloved and the council struggled away with it and it costs I think 700 million was the last guy, and we only got half, half of one route when there was supposed to be a whole network built, and that's quite that's quite serious in terms of the case for 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 um, low carbon infrastructure being able to deliver it. And there's an inquiry on to why that project went wrong. You see, now there's some very positive things: expansion of car clubs in Edinburgh. I don't have a car; I live in Edinburgh, and the reason the reason is I can use the car club when I when I need it. Uh, another more negative thing was the bridge tolls were abolished. Now I mentioned the Sky Bridge, so they, this administration abolished the Sky Bridge tolls, uh, but every, which there was a justification in terms of the cost, but we're just going to abolish, we're, we're just going to abolish those. Big fanfare. Uh, what that meant was everybody else with a bridge with a toll on it says, well, it's fashionable to abolish bridge tolls. So the, the, across the fourth, they abolished the, the, the bridge tolls, which was a you know a demand me management measure where you were actually picking up some investment to go into the transport. That was that's gone, uh, and the, as I say, the trams were cur curtailed. So devolution today that kind of brings us up to date. Um, you're starting to see some growing investment in cycling, but it's from a very very low base. I thought I was being ungenerous about this, but it is around about one percent, one and a half percent of the. The transport budget, which is very large because of these road schemes, the borders rail line, which I mentioned, that's a big chunk of low carbon infrastructure that will be coming on stream. Uh, that will get people from the borders, the hinterland of Edinburgh, into the into the city by low carbon mo modes. So that's the end of the year. That's quite a quite a significant milestone, quite significant uh, for the government in terms of this was a Westminster decision in the beaching era to cut off part of Scotland. They're restoring it. So it's an iconic project. You still got big, big roads, roads projects coming through. So the A9 I mentioned then there's a, a strategic link between Inverness and, uh, Aberdeen, uh, will be, will be jeweled as well. And these are big, complicated projects. Town centre first policy, uh, that's an interesting area where it's really about reversing some of the planning decisions and making sure that people can walk to facilities, cycle to facilities, they're not out on the end, end of town. So in theory, that's the policy. It's still to come into practice, but that's what the Scottish Government are talking about. And then Abellio won the rail franchise, and they're a Dutch company, and they're very good on cycling, and that was part of why they won it, uh, and, and talking integration. So that could be quite exciting. And that document there is the vision, so that the, the, the end of last year, is a, a vision which uh, you know Living Streets is very supportive of about 2030 about how Scotland could look and so I would say it's a very sort of Scandinavian vision about pulling it all together and how our towns and cities might look how we travel around, travel around them. Though the small problem with it is 2030 so we've got quite a bit long time to wait and we've got to do quite a lot in terms of changing things around from 
all those car-based policies that I ran through. You know, that's a, that's a lot. Uh, you know, that, that, that's a, that's a, a lot of inertia to get around. So, in summary, increased investment across all modes and has got a strong emphasis on, on capacity and network completion. But active travel has been, has been legitimised. There's no question about that. But it's still not quite falling through in terms of the fiscal resources to deliver on the vision. Strong emphasis on, on health. There's a reliance on technical solutions, so it's getting people into electric cars. That's, that's seen as delivering them a lot of this. And there's a political reluctance to use the fiscal levers that are available. So it was given to local government. Nobody wants to do. Nobody's prepared to take take this on, which is quite interesting. If you think about part of the whole devolution debate, is we need more fiscal powers. Well, here's a fiscal power you have, you're not using, and nobody seems to want to use. Small comparison with other countries. I don't know what's going on in Denmark, but we're kind of similar to Finland and Sweden in terms of our emissions per capita, in terms of the trends. We're not doing quite as well as those countries, uh, but. That's, again, from the Transport Scotland. So it's important that Scotland does now has a tendency, especially with the S&P administration, to look to these small independent countries for inspiration, which is not always great. And we should probably be looking at some of the northern cities in the UK in terms of what's happening there on things like bus policy uh, and London in terms of cycle policy. Uh, that's just an, an example. We're way behind a lot of these these, these these countries in terms of walking and cycling. We've got a long, long way to go in terms of there's Edinburgh, Glasgow and Dundee. We've got to do a lot more in terms of that. You know, there's a very relatively high level of walking in, in Edinburgh. It's a compact city, but uh, there's a lot more needs to be done. So I'm not said that much about devolution because actually most things were devolved in 1998-99 when the Parliament started. There was a few things that were retained by Westminster and a few more of them were devolved. So there's new powers on rail franchising. And I, I mentioned earlier the idea about uh, having the, um, the, the water industry and national ownership. You could see a scenario politically that, that the, the, the rail network goes back into public ownership. That, that, that's, a, that's a possibility. Whether it delivers anything in terms of carbon, I don't know, but uh, that, that's one significant thing. Uh, air passenger duty. Uh, that has been devolved. It's slightly complicated how that's going to work, but there's a real push to uh, get get that lowered by by the airports in Scotland, um, and obviously, it's driving the, the tourism tourism industry is very 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 important, and they want to get more people flying into Scotland. They probably also get more people flying out of Scotland. People in Scotland tend to like to escape because of the weather. Uh, uh, so that's probably not going to be good in terms, of, in terms of carbon. And for the rest of the UK, it's probably going to start a domino effect because I think you can see Newcastle Airport going and say, well, wait a minute, we're at a disadvantage here. Um, so I think that, that's the thin, edge of the thin end of the wedge, if you like. And we also got power over road signs and speed limits, which give some tools in terms of decarbonisation. So more of the same. Or something completely different. <laughs> so that's our, that's what our road signs could look like. Um, uh, so, but we could we could do uh, one thing that I, I, I want to point this out that Scotland has a walking strategy, which is great because actually Westminster has a cycling action plan that has walking in it. But I think they're too embarrassed to have this be branded the, the Ministry of, of Silly Walks by the Express. So uh, uh, we have that. Um, so we've got our walking strategy. So that's good. 
um, Policy Act driver. So what's what's likely to change things? We are we are a really unhealthy nation, uh, really, <laughs> uh, and it will cripple the NHS. And the government are well aware of, aware of that. And there's a big drive on this in, uh, uh, in England and Wales, even more so in Scotland. In fact, I, I, I'm lucky enough to benefit from Scottish government funding because they support w walking, support an organisable paths for all to get people walking and support living, living streets, which is very good. Uh, further devolution to local authorities. Cause, so the whole de devolution debate is moving down. People are saying, well, actually, let the more people are more politicised. Local authorities are saying, actually, we want more power. It's not just about giving it and centralising it the Scottish Parliament. So that debate's going on. Uh, the, the, the vote was interesting because the more affluent the area, the, the less likely people were to vote um, yes. And the poorest parts of the country were the bits that voted yes. So politicians are after those votes. These people came over from the Labour Party to the SNP. So the SNP will want to keep them. The Labour Party will want them back. So it's what can you do to invest in those areas for those people? Uh, where we get our money from comes from Barnet Formula, which is a share of UK. Uh, and the quality agenda. So what could, what could we do differently? Uh, we could start to really push hard along a Nordic model to get people cycling and walking. We have all the tools to do that. Uh, 20 mile an hour is a big part of that. We could now set a default speed limit. Edit the capital now has that for residential shopping streets. That will make a big difference for cycling, walking environment. Town centre first policy could really start to tackle low carbon sprawl and then possibly busty regulation and that's an interesting one uh, the politics of that um, that would be for the Labour Party and the rest of the UK if they go after that uh, the, that that could make things uh, interesting in Scotland because there's been a resistance to take on these big bus companies uh, in Scotland over over a franchise franchising model so that's a wee bit burns for you just to put, uh, Scotland's a wee bit timorous uh, up to now uh, retention of UK competition on bus policy. We've not done anything different, really. Uh, we've had a kind of conventional, let's complete the road network, and we've not used the fiscal levers that we have. That's that's the sad end to the Edinburgh congestion debate in the, in the gutter there. And we want to get more people flying into our airports. And the travel, the active travel policy is great, but there's a mismatch in budget. But Scotland can be brave. Uh, public places smoking ban. We did copy the Irish, but people thought this will never, you can't do that in Glasgow. You can't take cigarettes away from people, the freedom to smoke cigarettes. It happened, it worked, great public health benefits. So that, that has really uh, given that area of public policy a real boost. In fact, don't think. A lower drink driving limit, that's another area where the motorists and the publicans have been taken on in Scotland on a on a safety and a, and a health, health grounds. I think it's more on health, to be honest, because it, it really curtails, you, you don't want, you just don't drink anymore uh, if, you're, if you're going to drive. You really think ahead because the limit is, it's a continental limit, so that makes a big difference. Edinburgh's a 20 mile an hour city, that's quite significant. You've take, they've taken on quite a fast road and they've put lots and lots of speed cameras on it. The Boilders Rail Link is reopening. That's quite a lot of money to put into a strategic project. Uh, fracking last week, there's a moratorium on that, which is different from the, the, the rest of the UK. Been no to nuclear for a while, which 
again, there's quite a lot of pressure as a low carb to, 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 a low carb a, a, a low carbon energy source that we're basically ruling out for other other reasons of cost and uh, uh, safety. Um, and then there's tough, tougher climate change targets, although that's not necessarily the same as tougher policies. Uh, and then a minimum alcohol price, which hasn't actually happened yet, but again, that's the public health agenda driving things forward. So I'm going to leave it there. I did warn you about this. We are kind of at that point. It's, it's up to the Scottish Government. They could be bold or they could kind of just follow the rest of the UK. Uh, I would say if you want to be pushing and saying, what's the point of all this? You do things differently. But uh, maybe... Uh, Maybe not, and that's this, that, that's part of the vision. So it's worth worth having a look at the Scottish government's vision on that. Um, it's interesting times we live in. So thank you for um, sharing your time, and that's. Uh